Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. I'm Matt Lombardo, Fansided's national NFL insider. The NFL preseason coming to an end this weekend. A full slate of games to get through, then 53-man rosters are set next week. And the NFL regular season is right around the corner. A lot to get into, a lot of really tough decisions facing a lot of head coaches around the league, especially when it comes to whether or not to play the top quarterbacks chosen in this year's NFL draft. We're talking about Justin Fields. We still haven't had a decision out of Chicago whether Fields or Andy Dalton will start week one. We still don't know whether it will be Trey Lance or Jamie Garoppolo starting week one for the San Francisco 49ers. And we're going to get into all of that and a whole lot more later on in this podcast with former Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Charlie Batch. Can't wait to pick Charlie's brain about the young quarterbacks, who has the highest ceiling, who should start right away, who could afford to wait, and of course get his thoughts on the Steelers and some of the more intriguing aspects of their upcoming season. But before we get into all of that, and we have a big show on tap, we're going to go through my three up, three down, the teams that I'm more optimistic about today than I was perhaps earlier on in this offseason, and the three teams that I'm a little bit more bearish about, a little more pessimistic about going into the season now knowing what we know through training camps and through three preseason games. But before we get into all of it, just a little bit of housekeeping as always. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, all your favorite podcast platforms. And if you really love the show, I'd really love it if you went in and left a five-star review. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, and a guest or two that you might want to have me try to get on and i'll go get them onto the podcast again go into the apple podcast store soundcloud spotify spreaker search for stacking the box and nfl podcast to get stacking the box on tuesdays with matt verderam and mark carmen my two esteemed colleagues at fansided and you get the matt lombardo show every single friday in your favorite podcast platform and with that Let's get right into it with my three up. And the first team that I think I'm a little bit more optimistic about going into this year after watching the preseason, after following training camp, after seeing some of the videos from joint practices over the past couple of weeks... It's the Philadelphia Eagles, and that might come as a little bit of a surprise after they got blown out, after they got shut out by the New England Patriots in the second week of the preseason. But as I wrote about in my column this week on fansided.com, go check it out, as I've talked about on numerous radio shows around the country, I put less stock in the preseason games than ever, and I think that head coaches also put far less stock into the preseason this summer, especially given what we've seen and how competitive these joint practices have been. And Nick Sirianni, the Eagles head coach, came out and Joe Judge echoed these sentiments after their game against the Browns last Sunday that 
these coaches get far more evaluations and far more quality work in hyper-competitive situations and joint practices than they do in the games. So I'm not really worried about what the Eagles did against the Patriots and what they didn't do when they didn't start Jalen Hurts because he had a stomach bug. What I am optimistic about is what I saw out of their first-round pick, Devonta Smith. And I look at that offense, I look at Smith chosen in the first round, a guy who is as polished a route runner as I remember in recent years coming out at the wide receiver position. And you look at the offense they've built around Hurts. You have Miles Sanders, Jalen Rager, you have Smith. Quez Watkins is as speedy as it gets. That offense is built around speed. They still have a top five or so offensive line in the NFL. And on defense, that secondary with Darius Slay, Steven Nelson, Anthony Harris, and Rodney McLeod, not to mention a depth guy like Kayvon Wallace, who we've had on the program the last couple of weeks. I think the Eagles secondary and their defense overall is really underrated. I mean, you look at that secondary and the QBRs allowed by those guys last season. Rodney McLeod, a guy who won a Super Bowl with the Eagles back in 2017, opposing quarterbacks had a 47.3 passer rating when targeting him last year. Darius Slay lined up against some of the premier wide receivers in the game, a 115 passer rating when he was targeted, and Steven Nelson, just 82.3. They'll need to be the backbone of the defense for sure, especially in a division with Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Kenny Galladay, and Terry McLaurin. But if the Eagles are going to compete, it's because of that secondary, it's because of that front seven, and it's all of the speed that they have on offense. And I think Jalen Hurts, certainly this is a prove-it year for him, and the Eagles draft capital with three first-round picks potentially next year underscores that, and their flexibility to go and draft Hurts' replacement if necessary. But I think Hurts might surprise some people, and I don't think Philadelphia makes the playoffs. I don't know that they're a team that can win more than 10 games, but I went into training camp, I went into the summer thinking the Eagles were a 3-4 or 5-win team. I think they're much closer to winning seven, eight, nine games after what we've seen this summer than before. And the second team I'm more bullish on is the San Francisco 49ers. Because listen, I fell into the trap last year of thinking that their regression was as much to do with Jimmy Garoppolo taking a step back, as much to do with the Super Bowl loss hangover that so many teams fall into after losing a Super Bowl as it had to do with their injuries. And I think I was wrong on that. I really do. And you look at what they have up front. They might have, with apologies to the Washington football team, with apologies to the Kansas City Chiefs, the San Francisco 49ers might have one of the top defensive lines in the league. You talk about Nick Bosa, you talk about Armstead, you talk about Javon Kinlaw, you talk about D. Ford. If those guys stay healthy, that's as dominant a defensive line as there is in the NFL. And offensively, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, I happen to think that Trey Lance absolutely should be the week one starter because the 49ers have a Super Bowl roster in place. They have a Super Bowl caliber head coach who's been there before in Kyle Shanahan who understands and knows how to mentor, mold, and and develop young quarterbacks. But whether it's Trey Lance or whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, This is an offense that has Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver. Travis Benjamin, I think, is criminally underrated, especially given the chemistry that he already has with Lance. I look at San Francisco, and prior to the preseason, I thought the NFC West was shaping up to be a Los Angeles Rams runaway with Matthew Stafford and with Sean McVay and with all of the talent that they have on both sides of the ball in L.A., but... San Francisco, it's they're going to be in the mix. They're going to compete. They might win that division. And if they make the postseason, you have a head coach who's been there before. You have a quarterback in Garoppolo who's been there before or a rookie quarterback with a ceiling that's tremendously high based on everything that we've seen throughout the preseason. 
And I'm more bullish on the New England Patriots today than I was at any point during the offseason, and I'll tell you why. If Mac Jones is the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots, this is a team that can compete for a division title. This is a team with Bill Belichick at head coach that cannot skip a beat, and they can really jump up in the AFC hierarchy. I look at Mac Jones, and he has all of the arm strength, all of the accuracy. We've seen it through two preseason games and joint practices with the New York Giants this week. All of the consistency to be a dominant quarterback right out of the chute as a rookie, and he absolutely should be starting week one. And when you talk about what the Patriots did this offseason, you go out and you get two of the premier pass-catching tight ends available in free agency, bringing in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, who between them have only dropped five passes, and a slot receiver in Nelson Aguilar who's coming off an 880-yard, eight-touchdown performance last season, his career-best year. You drop him into that offense with a young quarterback with two reliable pass-catchers at tight end, a security blanket potentially in Aguilar, and you have all the pieces you need to make a run. And again, that division, I look at it as the Bills and everybody else. I don't know who beats Buffalo. Maybe COVID-19, the way that Cole Beasley and that locker room has been acting when it comes to the vaccine. Maybe if you get some key players that end up having to quarantine for a key game because they can't do the right thing and get vaccinated, maybe that trips them up because those are the consequences at this point. But outside of the Bills beating themselves, Josh Allen is the type of quarterback who can lead the Bills to a Super Bowl. Their defense is talented enough. Their head coach, Sean McDermott, is bright enough to right that ship and and have them competing for a Super Bowl this year. But when you look at the AFC, of course you have the Chiefs, the Browns, and the Bills, and maybe the Ravens, and maybe the Chargers. But I'd put the Patriots right in that mix, in that second tier, especially if they play Mac Jones week one. And if you start Jones... I might even be inclined, given all of the pieces already in place and given that you have the greatest head coach in the history of the game, I might be inclined to leapfrog the Patriots with the Los Angeles Chargers. So I think the Patriots, the Eagles, and the 49ers have a much higher ceiling today based on everything we've seen and everything we've learned than I thought that they had going into the year. Then you have the flip side of that coin, the three down, the three teams that I'm a little bit more bearish on now after watching them for a summer than I was going into the preseason, the three teams that I don't know that they live up to the expectations that we had going into this year. And I'll just start right out of the shoot with the New York Giants, because this is a team that has had no rhythm and no identity whatsoever to their offense. And listen, it's not entirely Daniel Jones's fault, because you think about the guys who have been injured and missed significant time. Kenny Galladay hasn't been on the field due to a hamstring injury that he suffered the second week of camp. Saquon Barkley is finally this week working into the joint practices in 11-on-11 drills and 7-on-7 drills, in contact drills, but wearing a non-contact Jersey. The offensive line has been dominated thoroughly and throughout training camp by the defensive line, both in team periods and one-on-ones. And I, I just don't know that Daniel Jones has had the kind of quality work that you need with your weapons to develop any sort of chemistry and cohesion. And the Giants haven't been able to do that. We'll see what he does on Sunday in the preseason finale. Joe Judge has gone on record saying that this will be the dress rehearsal. This will be the tune-up for the regular season. But combined with all of the injuries, combined with the fact that they did next to nothing to upgrade their offensive line over the course of this offseason, I went into this year thinking the Giants could be part of that three-team race for the NFC title, the NFC East title, that is, with the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team, and that the Giants would be in the mix to win maybe 10-ish games. 
But based on what I've seen and based on the six or seven practices that I've watched and everything that we've you know seen during the preseason games against the Jets and against the Browns, albeit without the starters and the key players playing, I think the Giants are closer to where the Eagles are right now than those two teams that they'd be looking up at in the division. And the second team on my list of three down, it's the Denver Broncos. Look, nobody was going to unseat the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West. Maybe the Raiders could, you know, put together a game and beat them in Las Vegas as they did a year ago. Maybe Justin Herbert takes a step and the Chargers could pull off an upset win at some point. The AFC West is what it is. It's kind of the proving ground for the Chiefs. I think Kansas City has a chance to go 17-0 if they get past week one against the Browns. I've said that a few different times. I still feel that way. But the Broncos are a very interesting team when you look at all of the young talent that they have on offense. K.J. Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Font, a really rock-solid and stout offensive line. And then on defense, they have some playmakers at all three levels. But here's the deal. I thought the Broncos could kind of push for a wild-card spot, kind of push for eight or nine wins based on everything they built around their quarterback, and that quarterback being Drew Locke, a second-round pick who has kind of been inconsistent his first two seasons, but who you thought, with all of the pieces around him in a second year in Pat Shermer's offense, could make the leap and be the young quarterback that you could build around, but instead... Vic Fangio goes ahead, and rightfully so, Teddy Bridgewater earned the starting job. He's been the better option through training camp in the preseason, but at this point in his career, Teddy Bridgewater isn't anything more than a bridge. And for the Broncos, Bridgewater is a bridge to nowhere, because if Locke isn't the guy, if Locke can't beat out Teddy Bridgewater, you have no long-term solution at quarterback. And if you don't have a quarterback, and you had the chance to draft one, if you had the chance to draft Justin Fields or Mac Jones, and you chose a cornerback in Patrick Sertain, I don't care if Patrick Sertain is Patrick Peterson. That miss and that decision is going to be George Patton's legacy with the Denver Broncos. Because if you have a young quarterback with all of those pieces, you can compete. You can win games. You can make the playoffs with that type of a roster. But instead, they went defense, they went corner, and I think it's going to really lower their ceiling. I really do. And and listen, I'm not buying the New Orleans Saints. They're the final team on the three and out because, look, Taysom Hill's a tight end. Jameis Winston's the equivalent of John Daly at quarterback. He can throw the ball 80 yards at 100 miles an hour, has all of the, the arm strength that you want in a quarterback. But two years ago, he threw 30 interceptions. He's averaged something like 17 or 18 interceptions in his five years as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And listen, they might win eight or nine games. They might win 10. But with Michael Thomas being out for the first couple weeks to start the season, that defense might be good enough to hold it together for the Saints. But in the NFC South, I think the Buccaneers are just too good. They return every single starter from last year's Super Bowl winner. You're picking up where you left off with Tom Brady in his second year with Bruce Arians. You have his entire supporting cast back on offense. If the Saints are going to challenge for the NFC South, I just don't see it with those quarterbacks, and I just don't see anybody in that side of the bracket outside of maybe the Packers knocking off the Buccaneers. So my three up going into this year, the three teams I'm more optimistic about than ever today are the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, and the New England Patriots, and the teams that I think have been disappointing throughout the summer I'm more bearish on going into the year are the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos, and the New Orleans Saints. On the other side, we'll chat with Charlie Batch, get his thoughts on the young quarterbacks, the rookie quarterbacks, and their ceilings in year one and beyond, and his expectations for Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers coming 
up next, right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Attention all listeners all across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like they're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code FANSIDED20. Are you ready for an out-of-this-world experience, fellas? Then look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. It's just taken off not only in the USA, Canada, and the UK, but also all across Europe, Australia, South Africa, even Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear, hair, and nose trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and even a travel bag to carry your whole solar system. Aboard Harry Balls and Buzz Lightyear that Woody with Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show, and joining us now... Charlie Batch, a guy who knows what it's like to play early in the NFL, a guy who knows what it's like to play quarterback in the NFL. He knows a thing or two about young quarterbacks, and he knows more than that about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can follow Charlie on Twitter at CharlieBatch16. Charlie, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Really happy to have you here on the show. And, you know, we've now seen a pair of games from young quarterbacks like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And Trey Lance had a great showing the other night on national TV. Who stood out to you so far and looks the most prepared to start for their team week one if they're asked to? Yeah, I think when I look at it, you know, everybody, you know, all of those guys should look pretty good in their preseason at this point. Um, but I think I have to go with Mac Jones at this point. The only reason why I say that is because we're a little unsure as far as what's happening with Cam Newton with the suspension, not suspension, but uh, contact tracing. So he has to uh, sit out a couple of days there uh, based off the miscommunications. And I think this is an important week for him. And if he can go through that uh, learning process, show that he can move the offense and then that transitions into this preseason game, it wouldn't surprise me if Bill Belichick names him the week one starter. And that's a great point. I watched Mac Jones last week against Philadelphia, and he just looked efficient, more efficient even than his debut the prior week. And that's what you want to see. Young guys and rookie quarterbacks building. He moved the football, didn't make a lot of mistakes. What's his upside, you think? Because I I look at him, and he just looks like he could be the heir apparent for what the Patriots are looking for at quarterback. Yeah, I think for him, he's probably the least mobile out of all of them (laughs) when you look at that. So I think that's something that works in his favor because – of the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady relationship over time. So it's not like he's looking to work and make things happen with his legs. Not to say he can't do that, but not on a consistent basis like the other guys. So I think from him, from that perspective, if he's able to sit in the pocket, deliver the football down the field, 
they're going to work with him and say, okay, we can kind of carve out this offense because we're used to what this offense can look like with him being quarterback at that point. And it's a lot different than, you know, with Cam Newton in the offense as well. So those type of things, you know, they're, they're two different quarterbacks from that perspective. But I think when you look at where he is, I think he probably set up for the most success early. Yeah, I think so too, especially with that coaching staff. But another guy who seems like he might be in an ideal situation both now and moving into the future is Trey Lance. Got some really young weapons at wide receiver. Kyle Shanahan, an offensive genius in terms of being a head coach. And, you know, they're two years removed from going to a Super Bowl. If he starts immediately, if he's the guy over Jimmy Garoppolo, how high is their ceiling? And do you agree with me that perhaps the Niners have a bit of a Super Bowl window that's propped open by Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan and everything they have on both sides of the ball? Well, now Trey Lance, he's definitely a ball of excitement. That's for sure. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, how uh, good of the coaching staff, you know, from, that, from the coaching staff, still coaching staff's perspective, how can they tame their excitement? You know what I mean? Because they have the great young talent, but yet you're, you know, kind of married to Jimmy Garoppolo at this sense. But Jimmy's been around enough to know, I mean, and everybody kind of knows, yeah, you have a first rounder at your position. It's only a matter of time that you, how long can you hold this guy off? You know, if you start out slow, guess what? And you're two and two, maybe at the, you know, for after the first four games, one and three, then of course they're going to now try to bring that young guy in. So it's, it's important for Jimmy to have to get off and get this team, you know, at that midway point at no less than six and two, you know, for him to kind of hold off the, the young guy at this perspective. So I don't know, but we all know the writing's on the wall. But, um, you know, for Jimmy's sake, I'm hoping he can hold him off for at least one year before, you know, they decide to move on and hand the rain over to train. And that's a really great point in terms of needing to get to a certain benchmark by the middle of the year. And it seems like one of the guys, the guy chosen number one overall in Trevor Lawrence, not a whole lot of competition there. Urban Meyer talks about competition between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. But I think we all saw with some of the throws on Monday night, as much athleticism and as much upside and as physically gifted as Trevor Lawrence is, that offense doesn't look ready to go. It looks disjointed. It looks like it might be a lot for Lawrence to overcome as a rookie. You know, what, what happens for Trevor Lawrence this year in your estimation, especially if Meyer keeps asking him to drop back 25, 30, 35 times behind an offensive line that really has a long way to go? Listen, I mean, to be honest with you, nobody's expecting much out of Jacksonville. You know, will Trevor Lawrence show promise? Yeah, absolutely, as the season goes on. But let's not fool ourselves. There's no quarterback competition down there. They drafted Trevor Lawrence for a reason. He's number one. Everybody knows at some point you're going to be the guy, and he probably will be the guy 14, 15, 16 game starter this season if he could stay healthy. And it's a completely different situation in San Francisco. San Francisco, like you mentioned, they made the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They still have that team, and they can compete for a division title. Quite frankly, in Jacksonville, I don't expect that to happen. So they're going to go through a lot of bumps or, uh, along the way. It's just a matter of can they keep Trevor Lawrence confidence moving forward? Because, of course, at some point, as you, you know, depending on how a season goes, if you expect those laws, everybody will say, well, Peyton Manning was the number one pick and he did this and X. So that's always going to be that comparison. But quite frankly, having these young quarterbacks, yes, they're geared up for success, but nobody really is thinking that this rookie is going to win the Super Bowl this year. For sure. And I kind of want to piggyback on that because I think the, it's really fascinating the two situations that Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance have kind of been dropped into. You're, you're parachuting Trevor Lawrence into the ground floor of a complete rebuild with an inexperienced head coach. And on the other hand, you have Lance walking into a Super Bowl caliber roster with a top five defense and a head coach who's been there before, knows what it takes, knows how to manage an NFL locker room. 
you're a guy who played right away. You're a guy who didn't have to sit there and learn a lot as a rookie. How much do situations matter for a young quarterback coming in and kind of juxtaposing what Lance is walking into compared to what Lawrence is? Yeah, there's always been that, uh, you know, a conversation on when do you play a player versus not. And if you go back to even, was that 2003, it was Carson Palmer. He sat out the entire year before Marvin Lewis actually put him in in the Bengals. So I think a lot of that changed whenever Ben Roethlisberger in 2004 had that success where he was in as a rookie and then all of a sudden he won his first 12, 13 games and we went to the AFC championship game as a rookie. So that kind of changed that conversation as it relates to when you throw quarterbacks in there. I was a guy who wanted to be thrown into the fire. Let me learn, gain that experience. And that was something that helped me shape out my career as I went along because I had those games, close to 50 games that I had under my belt before I got to Pittsburgh. So when I rolled into the backup role, I was still able to now lean on that experience, knowing how to prepare as a starter. And that's some of the, some, the young guys don't have that opportunity right now. And if you just look at what's going on in Pittsburgh, you look at what happened. They drafted the Landry Jones. That didn't kind of pan out because he didn't play early enough. And then now here we are having those same conversation with Mason Rudolph again, that you're unsure of what you have because those guys don't play a lot at a young age. If you're a young guy, you want to play because that lets coaches know that, yes, either you're going to be ready or you're not. I don't think there's a gray area as it relates to whether a quarterback is ready. What matters more in your estimation, the the God-given talent or the situation and the support staff around them? Because if you want to talk about, you know, guys drafted into situations, that 99 draft class that had Donovan McNabb and Tim Couch and Dante Culpepper, if you put Tim Couch in Philadelphia, maybe he has the kind of success Donovan McNabb did in Philly. But I don't know that McNabb going to Cincinnati would have worked out as well. Uh, just as an example off the top of my head, just curious in, in your mind, how much is it nature versus nurture, so to speak, talent versus situation that matters? Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. And if you throw Tim Couch in Minnesota and he has Randy, Randy Moss and Chris Carter to throw to, maybe here his career kind of shapes out a little differently from that perspective. So I think it's just a lot of it kind of, you know, you, you just don't know. And luck sometimes uh, comes to the equation because who knows how Ben Roethlisberger's career would have played out if he didn't slip to 11 and Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning went above him you know, one in three respectively, or maybe one in four in a flip-flop uh, positions at that point. But who knows how that went? Ben, yeah. Philip River could be in, in Pittsburgh and Ben could have been in, in, in with the Chargers organization. So it's just a lot of it just kind of lucks up. Ben was fortunate in that situation to drop to 11. He had a great defense. And then they worked that running game around him and his career flourished in that, in that, at that point. But I think when you look at these young quarterbacks, it all depends on the circumstances that you're in. How much help, how much talent that you have on that particular roster, knowing, okay, if I do make a mistake, my defense is going to get on the field and they're going to give me the ball back versus now having that pressure saying, I have to score every time that I get the ball because chances are our defense isn't going to stop them. So those particular conversations happen. You just have to know as a young quarterback, I cannot put my team in bad situations, particularly turning the football over in a manner that some of these quarterbacks have done over time. And what's really interesting when you think about a kid like Justin Fields, Great supporting cast. Allen Robinson, probably a top 10 receiver in the league. Khalil Mack in that defense, kind of underrated, capable of making a lot of plays. And he's a guy you watch him this weekend, makes every throw from the pocket, seems really decisive when to tuck it and run it. And I look at that staff, you have Matt Nagy and you have John Filippo, two coaches who are really experienced in developing young quarterbacks. What are your thoughts on Fields as a rookie and where the Bears go from here? Yeah, I mean, they're kind of in a similar situation that like we mentioned when we talked about the 49ers. You know, when you look back and you're like, okay, Andy Dalton, he's kind of holding the seat warm until it's time for him to give it up. So he knows he has to get off to that fast start. You know, again, be at that six and two mark 
because of the defense that they have in Chicago. And they know that they have talent. They have a chance to compete for that division title. And they feel like they have the roster to compete with Green Bay for the division title. So they have all of the pieces there to play. So I think Fields is in a different situation because he doesn't have a lot of the uh, anticipation and expectations that the other two quarterbacks have only because he hasn't been named the starter at this point. They've already named Andy Dalton a week one starter, even though he will be starting in, in this last preseason game. The pressure is not on him as much. Now, it won't be on him until he has to throw into that game, and hopefully it's not in a one-and-three situation, one-and-four, that now he has to come in here and hopefully show that he can prove and improve this franchise. And let's switch gears here for a bit, Charlie, because I'd love to get your thoughts on a veteran quarterback that you're intimately familiar with, and that's Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, because I look at Pittsburgh, and you can make a case they have the premier wide receiving core in the league with Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, a great supporting cast, but Roethlisberger's really steep decline last December kind of derailed their season. Where where do you see Ben and the Steelers this year? And what are you seeing from Ben Roethlisberger so far this summer? Yeah, I think when you look at it from last year, yeah, he he definitely number declined. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that he couldn't turn around and hand the football off to a running back. And that was tough because it was injuries at the position. Offensive line was aging. So it was a mixture there that they just knew that there was no play action game. So Ben had to, quite frankly, be Superman and put the cape on, couldn't make a mistake because the defense was depleting as well. They lost Devin Bush in week five, but that injury to Bud Dupree in week 11, that dismantled the defensive side of the ball. And they weren't able to make the stops in the manner that they were. So they were never the same after that Ravens game, that that Wednesday afternoon game. They never bounced back. Never bounced back off of that. And team just said, you want to know if you can't run the football, we understand that you're using this quick uh, passing game. We're just going to tackle the catch, hopefully get you behind the sticks and you make a mistake. And that ultimately caught up to them and they lost that Browns game in the playoffs. This year, when you look at everything that Ben Roethlisberger going through, he's looked phenomenal in training camp. His arm is fresher. Working with Coach Tomlin, he had every third day off. So he came back with those fresh uh, uh, arms in those two days that he was in. And that ultimately transitioned into the game on Saturday night. You can't play much better than he did. He went eight for 10. He had a perfect passer rating of 158.3. That's what you want if you're going to have limited time, play put points on the board, and then you remove yourself. He gets ready for week one against Buffalo. But I think when you look back at just on this uh, Steelers organization, which once was a strength, this offensive line is now the question mark because you essentially have five new guys playing in five new positions, and they're young, and they haven't done this before. So that's the question, and that's the challenge that Mike Tomlin has thrown to this offensive line. And you mentioned Ben's big performance in week two of the preseason against the Lions. Two of the guys that figured most into that success – were two of the draft picks that I love the most of any team in the league. That's Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris. You know, you look at Fryermuth, the kid who's drawn comparisons to Rob Gronkowski, a real legitimate weapon in the passing game. Harris is the guy that you can turn around and hand the ball off to. Roethlisberger compares Fryermuth to Heath Miller. What have you seen from those guys and how important and how vital can Fryermuth's contribution be to that Steeler offense in year one? Yeah, Fryermuth is key because they lost Vance McDonald in for, uh, to retirement this offseason. So that was critical for them that they needed to fill the position. They do have Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron is more of that H, H tight end. He's more of a receiving tight end. Fryermuth kind of is that he's better blocker, but yet he's comparable in the receiving standpoint. So I think everything that Fryermuth did at uh, Penn State, they loved him for that. He bragged on the fact that he never dropped a red zone pass. And that transitioned into the game as he caught two huge touchdowns. So that confidence is going to continue to go there. And if he can continue to get those comparisons to Heath Miller that Ben Roethlisberger is giving him right now, man, he's set for a good career because, man, everybody around here still loves Heath to this day. 
But when you now look at what Najee Harris brings to the table, this is a guy that, yeah, everybody saw what he did at Alabama. But when you see him in practice, you see him in game, the power is always falling forward. He's not missing many holes and he's always gaining yardage. So from that perspective, the offensive line, they are confident because they really feel like, hey, if we open up the holes, he's able to do that. And one added element is the fact that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a three down back. He can pick up pass protections and then ultimately leak out of the backfield in the manner that you saw that 46 yard run that he caught at five yards and was able to run an additional 39 for that. So it's just really, really good to see where Najee Harris is at at this point. Where do the Steelers fit in the AFC North, in your opinion? Because I look at Cleveland, and I think they have a Super Bowl-caliber roster. You can make a case they have the best offensive line in football. Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, and they really did a lot of work through the draft to kind of rebuild that defense and, and also give Lamar a couple of weapons this offseason. But Pittsburgh is really fascinating. We've talked about the fact that Roethlisberger, this could be a make-or-break year for him. We've talked about some of the new additions. But how do the Steelers st- stack up in that division? Because it didn't end well last year, but there's so much talent on that roster. Absolutely. And I agree with that. And this is something that when I look at where the Steelers are at, it's two, maybe three. And the only reason why I stand Baltimore and, and Steelers um, rosters are pretty much the same. But when you just look at the manner of how the Steelers lost last year, you have to put Cleveland in front of them. So and from when you look at that, Steelers maybe second or third. But again, this is why you play the games at this point. And right now, Cleveland is a little unsure of themselves because they've never been in a, at a, the start of the season where everybody's talking about they're the top dog. So it's going to be interesting to see how they unfold as this season goes along. But I really feel like if the Steelers can gel on the offensive line, they'll definitely compete for the division title. Worst case scenario, they're going to make the playoffs this year. Where do they go from here beyond 2021? Because, you know, we've talked about Mason Rudolph and the fact that he's kind of an unknown. You brought up the, the quarterback that they've drafted in the past and it didn't work out because you didn't play right away. You have Dwayne Haskins sitting there on the roster. Nobody really knows if he's the answer. Do they need to use a first-round pick next year to get Ben Roethlisberger's replacement the same way that, you know, the Packers did with Jordan Love and the 49ers did with Trey Lance? Or can they continue to build and draft an offensive lineman here, a cornerback there, and hope that they wind up with a guy who's a diamond in the rough at quarterback in the middle rounds? You know, if Charlie Batch is sitting in the front office, what would be your tact beyond 2021? Well, I think right now a lot of it's up in the air only because it's just a matter of how the Steelers finish this year. Because if they win the Super Bowl and horse that Lombardi trophy at the end of the season, then Roethlisberger's coming back. Yeah. But, if, <laughs> right. but if there's if that doesn't happen, what does it look like? I think right now just being around this team as long as I have, the, uh, the front office, they love Mason Rudolph. And they if you got him in the third round, they really felt like he had a first-round grade on him. So they're working to develop him each and every time. And then you added Dwayne Haskins, who does have veteran experience, started games in Washington, and now he's on this roster. So it gives them a year to evaluate him to decide whether or not he can you know, be the franchise quarterback and do you let Mason and Dwayne battle it out next year. And then there's Josh Dobbs that maybe they try to put him on a practice squad and maybe keep him around next year so you have three young quarterbacks on this roster. Great part is the quarterback room is loaded. Kevin Colbert, the general manager here for the Steelers, he is a three-quarterback type of guy, so he will have three quarterbacks on this roster. I mean, he's not going to give one up if it doesn't benefit the Steelers. He's not going to give it up just for the sake of giving them up. So I fully expect these quarterbacks to be on the roster. The caveat to this is going to be Josh Dobbs and what happens in his last preseason games and whether or not they get an offer for him. 
This has been a lot of fun, really insightful conversation, Charlie. I've really enjoyed it. And it's always great to pick the mind of a former NFL quarterback. But let's go full circle just for a second here and go back to this year's incoming crop of rookies. We talked about a lot about Mac Jones and his ceiling this year and the great fit with Bill Belichick. But if Charlie Batch was an NFL GM and you're the number one pick in this past April's draft, who's your guy? Who are you taking? Yeah, I would have picked the obvious choice. That would have Trevor Lawrence. I mean, based off everything that he did, everybody knew since his sophomore year, he was going to be the number one guy. So it was almost, you knew he was coming out and what was the pecking order after the fact. So I, I don't think the, I don't think Jacksonville could go wrong with that pick. The only downside is they don't protect him. They don't want those ghosts kind of flying around and you start seeing ghosts and whether or not you're protected or you're not. And those are some of the things that you saw kind of when uh, David Carr was in Houston, they didn't have an offensive line and all of a sudden things just went kind of AWOL for him and he never was the same after getting pounded over those two or three years. Same so, with so, Sam Darnold in, in New York. Same thing. And, and quarterback and young quarterbacks go through that. So you just hope that they have to protect him from that perspective. So it's a long answer to say I would have took Trevor Lawrence and fourth the first pick. Charlie, before I let you go, and this has been truly fascinating and insightful and a lot of fun, tell me about the Best of Batch Foundation and all the great things that you guys are doing in Pittsburgh for the community. Yes, Best of the Batch Foundation, we are an educational foundation, and then we service 3,800 kids annually in eight different counties throughout southwestern Pennsylvania, and we've been doing this now for 21 years, so wow. we are excited about it, um, you know, so for us, you know, we found, we're an educational foundation. We focus mainly on reading computer literacy along with our STEAM programs. Some people say STEM, but we say STEAM. We add the arts element, science, technology, engineering, arts. I love element. it. So those are the things that we do throughout. Um, right now, we're busting out of the seams. And, uh, you know, we've been in our foundation office for about 15 years now. So we are expanding and we're super excited about that. So we're going from 5,300 square feet to 33,000 square feet. So we're adding 27,000 additional square feet to our building. It's going to be ready at the end of this year. So we're super excited about that. We have activity rooms, uh, state of the art steam labs, all of those type of things that we're going to have. gymnasium as well. So all of those things that any kid, any student would need for after school, they would have it in our building for anybody who wants more information about this. They can go to batchfoundation.org and you can see all of that fantastic work that we're doing throughout the year. That's phenomenal. As somebody who's married to a special education teacher, someone who mentors other special education teachers, I love seeing the passion for education, Charlie, that you're bringing to the table and the impact that you're having on students and children throughout the Commonwealth. This has been great. Everybody go to the website one more time for the Best of the Batch Foundation. It is... You can go to batchfoundation.org. And if you can't remember that, just put Charlie Batch Foundation and it'll take you right to the website. Love it. Charlie Batch, you can follow him on Twitter at CharlieBatch16. This has been a lot of fun. Look forward to catching up with you further up the road, and we'll talk to you soon, my man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Outstanding insight there from Charlie Batch, and make sure you go to BatchFoundation.org and follow Charlie on Twitter at CharlieBatch16. I wrote pretty extensively in my weekly column this week about the dichotomy of the situations that Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance are walking into, and I thought Charlie was a great resource in terms of being a guy who's played in the NFL, who was drafted and forced to play pretty much right away on just how much the situation impacts the trajectory of a young quarterback's career. Because watching that game on Monday night between the Jaguars and the Saints, it was pretty obvious to me that as much as Trevor Lawrence might be a generational talent and his athletic traits really shine through, the arm strength and the fact that he, you know, tucked and ran a couple of times when the pocket collapsed around him, 
The problem is the pocket kept collapsing around him. The problem is the Jaguars have no identity. They have no uh, mentality. They have no idea of what they want to be on offense. There's no rhythm to it. There's no rhyme or reason to the play calling. And with Urban Meyer being a guy who has never coached in the NFL before, a guy who's never been forced to deal with losing before in his career based on all of the success that he had at Florida and at Ohio State in the college ranks, I don't think he understands the, the necessity of protecting a young quarterback, of committing to the running game, of committing to three-step dropbacks, limiting the time in the pocket because that offensive line isn't doing Lawrence any favors. And you follow that up with what you saw the prior night on Sunday between the Niners and the Chargers and Trey Lance just looking calm, cool, and collected in the pocket. A couple of throws where you stood up and said, wow, that guy looks like he's been in the league for three or five years. It really makes you wonder and go back to that age-old debate, is it situation or is it gifts? Because I look at Trey Lance, he's in a far better situation with Kyle Shanahan and all of that talent on offense and a top five defense in the league than Lawrence is. And I had an NFL executive tell me this week that if he were in Jacksonville, he would play Trevor Lawrence right away. Let him get beat up. Let him take the hits. Let him deal with this shoddy offensive line in front of him and hope that he learns from it. Hope that he gets better from it. But then you look at Lance and he's dropped into a situation where if he's the starter, Niners are still in a position to win a Super Bowl and go to a Super Bowl. So the upside of playing Trey Lance right away is you're going to get him in a competitive situation immediately. And you have the supporting cast and the structure around him to maximize his gifts and, and really get his career started off on the right foot. So I thought Charlie was really insightful on all of that and how much situation matters. And I thought he, you know, gave some terrific opinions on the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that, you know, their situation is really fascinating because they're straddling the line between making one last run with Ben Roethlisberger and a pretty young nucleus of talented players at the skill positions on offense and a pretty good defense and having to rebuild because you don't have a quarterback long-term. So the Steelers are going to be one of those really intriguing teams to watch. On the other side, we'll answer some of your questions about the upcoming NFL season and wrap it all up right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stack in the Box podcast feed. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Thanks again to Charlie Batch. I thought he was really insightful on a lot of really important topics facing the NFL this season. And before we get out the door, let's grab one of your questions off of Twitter. This one comes from at John Shabby. John says that last year, the Washington football team basically won six and a half games. I'm not giving them credit for the second half against the Eagles, but a lot of people are talking about them winning the division this year. Why should I be optimistic? John, thanks for the question. And I think there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic here. Number one, Ron Rivera is a top-notch head coach in the NFL, and you know that Washington is going to be very well coached this season. And I look at their front seven, and I just got done wrapping up the NFC East preview section of Fansided's national NFL preview that should drop the first week of September. And you just look at what they've built so far with the three first-round picks with Jonathan Allen and with Montez Sweat and, of course, Chase Young. Young being a guy that I think could push for double-digit sacks this year potentially – 
pushing for the Defensive Player of the Year award, and I think they're just loaded on defense. And you look at the flip side of the ball on offense, and they really needed to go out and get some sort of stability at quarterback because Tyler Heineke, for as well as he played for a half of football against Tampa Bay last year in the postseason, I don't think that he was the long-term answer there. But they have a lot of talent at the skill positions. They're kind of similarly built to the Eagles when it comes to speed. I really like Terry McLaurin. He's a top 10 or so wide receiver in the NFL, maybe better than that. Antonio Gibson at running back, as a rookie, had just under 1,000 all-purpose yards and eight touchdowns. He could be a double-digit touchdown guy. So I look at Washington, and I think they're a cut above the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants in the NFC East. And I think it's really a two-horse race between them and the Dallas Cowboys to win that division crown with somewhere around 11 or 12 wins. Again, it comes down to coaching for me, an absolutely dominant front seven, and lots of talent on offense with a veteran quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who at this point in his career, he's probably not much more than a game manager. But with that much talent on defense where you know you only have to score 17 to 20 points per game. You don't have to do much more than that. And with the amount of talent they have around him, you can win double-digit games. And that's going to get you into the postseason in the NFC and maybe win you the NFC East crown. So if you're a Washington football fan, I think that that's why you should be optimistic going into this year. We're going to find out a lot more about these teams over the final weekend of the preseason. And of course, when the rosters are trimmed down to 53 players next week, I can't wait to break all of that down for you and finally start looking ahead to games that matter week one of the regular season coming up on September 12th. Thanks again to Charlie Batch. Thanks to Cole Thompson of Fansider who does a fantastic job producing this show week in and week out. I'm Matt Lombardo. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. Again, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe to the Stacking the Box podcast in Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, all of your podcast platforms. I'm Matt Lombardo. I'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Have a great week, everybody. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.